As much as I like to fight everyone, yeah, yeah. I'm having a pretty good time here. Why you mad? Why you mad? Why you Why mad? You mad? Okay, we're starting. Hey, Lisa. Uh, oh, hi, Jake. Hi. How you doing? Good. Okay, so we didn't do an episode over Christmas, as is, I think, our I tradition know. a few years going on now. Oh, um, let's establish that. Uh, let's establish that, because I've already decided that for next Christmas, I'm 100% going away for the week to a non-Christian country. Okay, interesting. Did you yeah. get away from Christmas? Well, Yeah, man, I'm, I don't like it, but you tell me about it first, and I'll tell you what's going on. <laughs> Because okay. I know we, we did get some flack previously about being anti-Christmas, but <laughs> I think we're about to double down on it, right? Yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> okay, so I wanted to talk about Christmas because I experienced like the fucking <laughs> like, orbit of Christmas this year without uh-huh. really doing it. And yeah. it's totally become like a second part to my theory on fucking Halloween, right? So October, yes. Halloween, right? I don't believe in fucking Mercury's in retrograde and all that shit, like astrology, right? But I've got this whole thing's got me thinking a lot about how like there's a very similar like actual thing happening. So the fuck planets that are far away that aren't actually affecting us. Holidays are <laughs> like social. Like they have like fucking energy that comes out of them and like yes, Jake, Halloween yes. is so fun because it's like it's for fucking fun people. And it's a party and it's uh, all these various things that I talked about. Well, it is inherently um, anti the dominant culture. Like that is the entire no matter which interpretation, whether you go with like the fucking pagan, like any any of the interpretations of Halloween are about a release from the dominant culture. It's like a night of permission where you can be the opposite of everything you're supposed to be. So it is. It's the only one that has that vibe, even if you frame it for like a three-year-old or for a 50-year-old. It's the only freeing one (laughs) from the social narratives. Right. And I don't like the dominant culture. So like on Halloween, I feel like fucking like a, like in an anime when they're like powering up. Like I feel like Goku or something. I'm like, I can feel this fucking energy and all of a sudden everyone's doing, everyone is thinking the way I think and stuff. And I'm like, okay, cool. And so there's like this very positive aspect to it but with Christmas. I really don't fucking, I don't like it, but I also, I was thinking this year because so I was supposed to go to a wedding in January with like my whole family. And since I was supposed to go to a wedding and just cause of the pandemic in general, and cause I already went home a few times this year, I did this thing where I was like, Oh, you know what? I'm going to save myself the plane ticket and I'm going to like not go home for the holidays and just have a fucking chill time in New York in December. And like, you know, take this time to like finish reading, et cetera, and watching this thing and yada, 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 and doing all this stuff. Right. And I, but I realized that like halfway into doing it, that uh, you can't, you can't actually just like take the days of Christmas, Christmas Eve and stuff for yourself to like do something if you have, especially if you're like an empath and you have ADD and all these things where you're like connected to the, if if you're really good at blocking everything out, maybe. But for me, I realized as soon as Christmas started happening 
And like, I, you know, I'm looking at like the social media timeline and stuff and I'm like calling people and texting people and going like, you know, should we do anything? I'm like, oh, fuck, no. Christmas is like this big fucking Titanic presence that consumes mm-hmm. everyone else. And it's like, you can't just ignore it because everyone else, you they're know, all doing it. they're all fucking yeah. doing it. Right. And yeah. it's also super trad. It's so... Everyone that's like normally, I think, that dislikes the Halloween stuff, it's like we have like these opposing things where like I was strong and they okay. were weak, and now they're You're like, so now right. it's You're my so right. time, and I'm like, no, like, a, like, you know, right. let me, sci-fi let me thing provide just a gift to prove your point. I think Christmas people are the, you know, like uh, when uh, fall first happens. And that whole meme happens with, like, the white lady with the whole, like, fall outfit and the mug and the pumpkins. Yeah. And the, like, woven beady and shit. The dog that looks like her. The people who are doing that when fall starts, as opposed to being like, hell yeah, it's almost Halloween time, are the people who are Christmas people. You yeah. Know I mean? Yeah, like, totally. Treads do that shit. Uh, so that's all I wanted to say. Continue. Go on. Well, so it's like, um, I, got, I feel like there's a one-to-one metaphor for like a like a movie or a TV show or something where you're like, you know, like a superhero has to recover or something. And they're like, oh, no, I'm weak for the next month, you know, like, uh, like in Dragon <laughs> Ball Z or whatever after they finished a fight. And so, like, I was like feeling Christmas and I was getting really depressed because, I mean, it's cold. You're I'm alone in my apartment, like, which is great, mm. but like, also it kind of sucks. Like all my Weird, yeah. roommates have like left and they're doing all these things or whatever. And I love being alone, but I'm also like, it's this time of the year where there's nothing to do. And so you're kind of, after you read for like 25 hours straight or whatever, you do kind of go like, I want to go do something. And the pro- and then Omicron hit. So I couldn't, mm-hmm. I was going to go just have, you know, like you can do a, a secular bar. New York yeah. thing where you just yeah. go to a bar uh-huh. and it's like really fun because yeah. it's all orphans yeah. and stuff. But like you couldn't really do that either or whatever. And so I was like really getting bummed out by the the tradness of it or by, by the, the, the lack of like by the fact that I couldn't ignore it because that there was no alternative. Really. This is the fucking problem with trad yeah. shit is that it's not that I disagree with these people's lifestyle. It's that it's the only lifestyle that is yeah. allowed to exist in society. And you have to de facto take part in it because they fucking have like shit like Christmas that just fucking takes over everything. And so I, but it occurred to me, so I figured it out all in one sentence basically. And I think I tweeted this, which is that it sucks to be a, alone during the holidays especially if you're like me but if you can get through it the reward is you get to be alone for the rest of the year which is like great you know like the greatest thing of all time and i totally as soon as christmas was over everything went back to normal it completely like my energy came back and i was like okay now i'm winning like now this is way better (laughs) and i went from being like i'm alone to like i'm alone (laughs) these fucking rules um that's great but like you think about things like holidays as like these intangible things. It's almost like when someone tells you about astrology and you're like, that's not real. Like that's untrackable. But like, because mm-hmm. it's such a social phenomenon, it's real, man. I mean, the energy gets it's all real. up in you. You can, you are not an Island. You know, the phrase, no man is an Island. Like you, yes. you can't exist out unconnected from all the other fucking people around you. And it sucks sometimes. Well, Jake, buddy, Pal, my friend, I love hearing this from you because uh, we are fucking two sides of a coin, you know? Uh, I am experiencing the opposite because I've experienced what you've experienced before. All right. So hear me out. So, you know how I said that I've already like decided the next year I'm leading the country to some non Christian country? Yeah. What's that all about? It, 
it's precisely because of what you're talking about, but because I've already, well, you've already tried several things because, you know, you did the Christmas thing with family and friends all the years before this. Uh, I kind of didn't. Okay. So let like, <laughs> you know, for anybody who doesn't know, I probably mentioned this before, but I'm, I was like an atheist, like a, like, ooh, like I pretty much didn't like straight up said didn't believe in God by like 11, I think. And then by the time I had to do my confirmation, I had to do CCD, which the Catholics may be familiar. And at CCD, I learned that the purpose of the ceremony was for you to confirm for the first time. You know, like baptism is your parents give your soul to Jesus. But confirmation, oh, and first communion is you like accepting your parents' choice. But then confirmation is supposed to be the first time that you as a logical and educated because they did CCD and they taught you about the Bible and shit person, young person is accepting Jesus into your heart and the whole rules and all the shit. Right. So I fucking went home and I was like, dog <laughs> to my mom. I was like, I just learned that this is about whether I accept this personally and I fucking don't and I'm not going to do it. And I like made my mom's life so miserable arguing with her that she was like, okay, 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 you don't have to do confirmation. And here's what we'll do. We'll just wait until when your brother's going to do his confirmation. He was, he's two years younger than me. So two years pass and my mom thinks I'm going to like get over this phase. <laughs> but in two years, I read a lot of books, Jake. So in two years, I had, my brother had to do his confirmation. I still didn't do mine. All right. And in a like super Catholic household, this is a big deal that I just wouldn't fucking do it. Right. So I just say this as an example of like how long I was an asshole to my family, all right? Yeah. Because I I refuse to participate in the things that although they have bad history and bad fucking effects and bad narratives, they also have the positive effect of building family and network and community and relationship and memories, all right? So I do feel at 40 now like an asshole <laughs> because... I ruined so many holidays, Jake. <laughs> I fucking ruined ho- like Thanksgivings by fucking talking about colonialism at the table. I fucking <laughs> refused to open gifts. I used to give all my gifts away to the poor, <laughs> you know, to like uh, shelters and shit because I didn't want gifts. So like I wouldn't give my family gifts. And then I would be like, I, d- I told you like not to buy me gifts. <laughs> so then I would give all things away. Man, you were that hardcore uh, about this? Yeah, dude. Like I was a fucking asshole, Jake. And here's the thing. So I was hardcore because it was my beliefs and because I genuinely believe like, A, I didn't like the whole fucking vibe of the thing. But also I didn't believe in, like I, I don't think Christianity is a good thing. And I don't think that they're, that it's worth extracting anything from an institution that has murdered and destroyed the world in the way that Christianity has. We can't be angry at colonialism and not be angry at Christianity, period, end of story. So to me, engaging in any ritual that is derived from it or believing in any idea that is derived from it is inexcusable and fucking makes makes me sick to my stomach, okay, frankly. Yeah, dude, frankly, like (laughs) you don't need it. You can make memories and networks and families in other ways. And you don't need to fucking regurgitate any fucking part of colonialist fucking narrative, which includes like the literal second wave of colonialism is priests coming to destroy the beliefs of other peoples and impose Christianity upon them. Everything that came after that is bad, period. Period. Okay, but you don't believe in like a secular. (sighs) No, I don't. I don't. 
because ideas don't come out of nowhere. You don't get to enjoy them in a vacuum of nothing. What you're doing when you teach your kid about Christmas is continuing the tradition of Christianity. Even if you're nitpicking about which things you teach them and don't teach them, they grow up identifying as part of a certain cultural group and therefore Christianity continues to exist. So you're contributing to this thousands of year old institution with every act that you take to participate in it. That said, I spent probably 20 years being this fucking bitch that you just heard right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And um, it kind of sucked because, you know, like when I would have a partner, I would go to fa their family gatherings to be polite, you know, to like participate in that shit. But if anybody asked me about anything, I was a fucking bitch there too. Like it, it sucks, <laughs> you know, like it sucks, Jake, because there's no way to be peripherally a part of it without feeling infected by it and like you are fucking um undersigning it and being okay with it so it was a personal bad struggle for me right but as i aged then what happened is that i have a very small family because neither my brother or i had kids and my mom's a widow so it's just me my mom and my brother and we have family in colombia so when the holiday season comes around i feel bad because my mom obviously would like to be able to have christmas and thanksgiving and all that shit sorry let me drink water Mm. Sure. Right now. So, and my brother, um, I think he's one of these secular ones, right? Who doesn't, he's definitely against Christianity because he's against colonialism, but he likes the idea of the holidays and the family times and the gift exchange and the fucking memory making and all that shit. So, it's this weird thing where as the eldest and kind of like the maybe the strongest personality, because I have been an asshole for more than two decades, I, for the last couple of years, maybe like right before the pandemic, I started participating, okay? In this way where it's for the other people in my life, where ugh, I fucking hate every part of it, Jake. <laughs> the only thing I really started to like is giving gifts because it's like shopping and then it's like crafts when you like wrap them and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then people are really happy when you give them to them. So the gifting part is really cool. So what I think I'm going to do is start giving people gifts like randomly around the year because it's so fun. <laughs> so I might do that. Um, but all the other parts of it, I fucking hate it. I fucking hate it. So what I ended up doing this year is, you know, Omicron starting all this stuff. My original plan, as I had mentioned before, was to have a, a dinner that I was going to call T2 so that I could have turkey dinner that I like, you know, that's like American white people food that's very delicious um, and invite people like my small family and also any people that couldn't be home for the holidays, right? So people like you who are just talking about the horrible oppressiveness of like, there's nothing else to do. You can come here, eat a turkey thing. You don't have to pray. You don't have to be oppressed in any way. Just come here and eat the fucking thing. So I got a full fucking like eight people turkey dinner and a two people vegan dinner for some of the vegetarians and shit. I had all this extra stuff. I even like I ended up reducing it after Omicron happened and not inviting more people. So it was like a small group. It was just my family and a couple other people. And I wrapped gifts and I ended up fucking getting really stressed out and really sick. It was nice. You know, everybody had a good time. Everybody enjoyed their gifts. Um, people enjoyed the food. I didn't eat any of it. My stomach hurt for like four days straight. Um, and then I think that like the, the, the stomach ache was like a stress stomach ache. 
not just from having to plan all these things about like the food and people getting people here and getting fucking COVID tests for everyone. So I made everybody do the fucking rapid tests and shit, you know, uh, and having to like communicate to people that they would have to do that. And fucking, it just fucking sucked. Okay. Being a host of the shit that I honestly don't care about and that I don't like, and that I just was like, Oh, doing this thing for other people that is supposed to be generous is killing me inside. <laughs> it's like, and literally, I have a rock in my stomach. And as soon as it was like, it took two days after it ended for the stomach pain to go away. And I just don't like, I don't want to be a part, you know, I don't know. I have to figure out because I don't, I certainly like don't want to make my mom feel alone and in the way that you just discussed and, or my brother or people in my life that I love. But I don't fucking want to be here for this last week, like for last week next year. <laughs> um, I I don't like it. And I've tried it. And I feel like I tried it with a real good heart and like a real like well-intended, you know, good faith effort for a couple of years now. And I, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't want to be a part of it. And I agree that you. I'm going to go back to what you said. But I'm used to what you said. I am used to being the person like when I moved to New York, what I loved is that there's so many Jewish people here. So it's like fucking normal to stay home and eat Chinese food and watch a movie on TV. Yeah. I was like, I fucking love this. This is great. And sure, it might be like another ritual, but I also just stay home and eat Chinese food and watch a movie like any other Friday or right. <laughs> whatever. I think the reason think? maybe that you couldn't like just switch into this thing mm-hmm. is because what the power of something like Christmas is tradition and it's the fact it's a nostalgia also is like a huge part of it everyone that like posts about how much they love christmas is like at their parents house where they grew up and they're doing all these like uncharacteristically like vulnerable things about like you know just weird shit from their childhood home and stuff like that also they're all like in these huge mansions because they're comedians you know and they're rich but like um i think that like it it presents itself I, I here's the mistake that i think you made and not that you made a mistake but like here's what you maybe t- take away from this experience is that you maybe looked at this whole thing and thought well i can opt in and feel this thing if i decide to and i was stopping myself from doing it before uh been like i always had a choice here but i i think that like you you can't because you can't have nostalgia for something that you never did. Like you would have had to have done this every year when you were. Yeah, a for kid. sure, for sure. No, I think you're right in your logic, but I absolutely did not need, did not do it trying to feel what people feel for Christmas. I a hundred percent did it for the other people in my life that this means something to. Okay. Because, like, dude, I I sort of got like it sounds like a shitty thing to say, but like. It's the most, it's one of the most unselfish things I've ever done. These Christmases that I've set up for my family, because it's not for me. If it were for me, I would be eating a $9 fucking Chinese food meal or whatever the fuck I got delivered and hanging out and smoking weed. You get me? Yeah. And instead I spent hundreds of dollars on a meal. I spent time fucking making it, preparing it, getting tests, getting gifts, wrapping gifts, fucking doing all this shit that was all for them and it wasn't because I wanted to get a feeling okay it was because I wanted to give a feeling okay and I successfully gave the feelings okay so because I know my mom and my brother don't listen to this so I'm gonna be able to (laughs) be honest I know they're very happy I gave them a very good gift I told you 
uh, I, I bought the, like, we're going to go, if we can travel in a month, we're going to go to the Dominican Republic for like four nights to just be together on a, in a beach bungalow, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, all on me. Uh, because of this idea that I would rather give an experience and make new memories with you that are not based around December <laughs> and this fucking thing. So I'm like, in January, we'll go when it's very cold and like spend these days together at a new place that none of us have been to. And it'll be like a great new memory making experience. So they loved it. I think, you know, they got to give me gifts. Dude, honestly, my mom will never hear this. Jake, my mom gave me a purse. It's the ugliest fucking purse I've ever seen in my life. My mom has never given me a good gift. She doesn't know what my taste is. In no way is my mom giving me a gift based on what I want or need <laughs> or like. Yeah. She's giving me a gift based on she likes to give gifts and she wants to. And well, that, that's she wants. Christmas, right? Like my mom also yeah. every year forever. She just asked yeah. me before, like, you know. What do you, I've and I've yo I've told her they like ask me do not yeah. try to <laughs> yeah. clothe me I am not a person who's just gonna wear what you yeah I have a very specific way I like to dress doesn't matter exactly. every fucking year of my life forever I'm gonna get totally like, dude. these clothes yep. that I just take to Goodwill or whatever because I'm like I'm not gonna fucking wear this but Same, like but, exactly. so what's going on here that was interesting because like wait so they asked no, me hold but, on before you tell me ah, oh, right, okay, go 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 I was just gonna tell you that they asked me and I was just like okay fine if you because like I didn't want to be an asshole and be like I've said for 25 years don't buy me anything instead i was like okay i would like one of those cuban coffee makers like stovetop coffee makers or maybe an annual membership to moma so i can go to moma for free whenever i want yeah do you think i got either of those things jake no of course you got like socks and <laughs> of course weird not. shit you don't want yeah yeah it's a fucking yeah, weird holiday so, okay well that's what i was gonna say there's something paradoxical about this right because you mm. did I think that you did try to do Christmas, though, because what you just described is the selfless the act of giving <laughs> spirit, is yeah. supposed to make you feel good. And it didn't make you feel good, but it did make your mom feel good, right? Yeah. You just said that your mom, like, all the, she's the only person who got anything out of yeah. that whole fucking situation. Meanwhile, yeah, I think you, my brother did, too. You did an experiment yeah. where you're like, well, okay, I'll do this nice thing for these people and it still but it like it's a lie like in the movies and stuff yeah yeah the mythology of christmas that like giving in this really specific way like really like um interpersonally and just between like these people in your individual orbit makes you feel good in this yeah like spiritual way is uh i don't think it's true like if it didn't work for you then it's like maybe this is fucking bullshit and like yeah i the trad stuff is so so powerful here i think that um yeah i was i was listening to a, a i was listening to a lot of music like because i was home alone during all this and something that kept really bumming me out is like christmas like bands that play a christmas album or a christmas song or whatever because like you just you you have these understandings of these like like musicians that are like punk music like they would pretend to be subversive all year and then every single one of them just gives into this weird thing and it, it gives up all pretense that you had that this artistic endeavor that these people were going for was in any way like subversive or weird and it's no it's it's like no one like I, it doesn't strike me as like um cynical in the way that like oh if i listen to the misfits and then i'm like oh my god they did a christmas album i think that they wanted to cash in necessarily and just like make money it's more that i think they couldn't resist 
the need to be included in that part of the year. And it's like that powerful. Um, to me, I think it's that they're all trads. <laughs> I mean, it, makes, it does make me look at everyone I know and go, you were a trad the they're whole all, time. You were you fucking bullshitting me person. in the summer when you were like, let's destroy the cops and everything because. Look, let me. Yeah. Okay. In the summer, that is one good point is that recently they could have fooled us. But because I, I was about to be like, if we were in our 20s or like under 26, let's say, we could fairly be like, okay, you might like we don't know you might not be a trad. You're definitely like living a revolutionary life. Let's see where you go. But I think after even like 33, <laughs> even after 30, honestly, uh, you should assume that every person that you meet is a traditional person who um, at best has a liberal mindset of I can have it all, but will, will immediately at the si first sign of aging or trouble revert into the comfort and security of traditionalism. Yeah. 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 No, I Period. agree. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a yeah. just, a, I, I was thinking including about bands and artists, which is what I have to remind myself of is the, including comedians, it's, including fucking it's everybody. But there, I was just, yeah. it's kind of a weird shower thought I just had, like while I was cooking yeah. just now, but I think it's, kind of related to this is like in comedy i people like always poke at me and go like oh this guy's like a wacko socialist or whatever like you know like it's like this big hilarious fucking gimmick because it does stick out in any conversation i'm in and in any place i'm in because i have definitive articulate views about stuff that we're going to be talking about and I always get this like pressure from people where they're like, you're a weirdo. Like, how do you feel? Don't you feel like you're pretentious, like be doing this thing that's like so performative and like a put on and like um, so actively defiant. It's so actively defiant. It almost like I think what they're saying is like it can't be real. It's like, performative. It's like a it has to be a performance. Yeah. And I was thinking about that and I was like wait a minute, but we're all comedians. Like you, that's an insane, that's the same thing. You at one point in your life decided to do something so fucking like against the grain and mm -hmm. performative and like, it's fucking, it's, it's kind of, it's the same. You could accuse it of all the same things of being like a cosplay and a fantasy and a fucking not reality and all this stuff. And I'm like, how did you do something like that for so long that it became normal again. And now you're looking at like a person who just folded that over a second time and is doing multiple things in that same vein. And cause like the older you get, the more you eventually start to laugh at, uh, people like people being like ambitious like this and go and actively resisting the forces of like tradition and conservative, yeah. like, you know, liberalism and all this stuff. So, it's kind of hilarious because I honestly I think if you were a, if you're a comedian long enough and you let yourself become a stupid old like you know classical liberal like traditional person like that, you would eventually come upon a person who is basically your younger self starting comedy at the age of twenty one or whatever and go like oh, don't do this you. like yeah. this is stupid <laughs> yeah. and isn't that just most people's lives I mean don't you become yeah. your parents and then you you know I had the I had the revolution while you were talking about the fact that like. Perhaps why so many comics, for example, um, are traditionalists is because, and look how respectfully I said traditionalists instead of trads, uh, <laughs> is because um, 
if you think about it, when a comic goes back home to Thanksgiving, a comic at Thanksgiving is a radical in the room. That's what I'm saying. To, yeah. Get to, but, but hold on. So they get to go home, participate in Thanksgiving in an old, stupid colonialist tradition that is fucked up. Uh, get to eat all the delicious food that they didn't pay for, that they, they didn't prepare, probably get their laundry done, whatever the fuck. And then they get to walk around in every conversation and feel like the radical, most progressive, most modern person in the room just by the very fact of saying, oh, I'm a comedian, right? Yeah. And yet they are not radical enough to separate themselves from those traditional behaviors or rituals. You know what I mean? I think it's a little fish, big pond, whatever the fuck it is kind of situation. You know what I mean? Where uh, living fully in a radical world is kind of isolating, as you were saying at the top of the episode. It's isolating. It reminds you of how you are not part of the community or the group or the main social dynamic and narratives and memory making and fucking social world building at specific times and points when you're not participating. And that's hard not everybody wants to deal with that and so some fucking comics will go retreat into that that's what i'm saying at best most people are liberals who cosplay at progressivism and then as soon as it is slightly inconvenient to actually change the world they retreat into traditionalism i agree a hundred percent they're all fucking cowards (laughs) I know, I'm not even going to go so far, but I don't disagree with Jake. Uh, <laughs> uh, to clarify my point, though, um, you know, I think everything I did for the holidays, because, you know, especially I do have some people who listen to this who were here. <laughs> so to clarify, uh, you know, like I said, I did enjoy the gift giving part of it. Um, I also enjoyed the host, like having people in my house that I love and having great conversation. We all had a great time. I didn't like... I I guess I didn't realize I didn't go into it feeling like I would feel the good Christmas feeling about it, Jake. I didn't know that I would feel so bad about participating in something I don't believe in. You get me? Yeah. Like I felt like a traitor and like, ugh, this makes me just sick. And like, I mean, I I hadn't even clearly felt like that, but I was just so stressed out. And I'm sure the COVID situation made it worse. But it was also something that I spent an unnecessary amount of money when I could have on any fucking Tuesday of the year had the same people over, we could have ordered fucking, I don't know, Popeye's and whatever the fuck for like 20% of what everything I did for like Christmas was. And we could have fucking hung out and had a great conversation and gotten tipsy and everything would have been great. And then, you know, you give people, you want to give people gifts, you can give people gifts any fucking time of the year. Why does it have to be this connected to this thing and like you know i've talked to quote secular christmas celebrators and lovers who will say well you know this is the time of year that everybody gets time off from work and so they're able to go get together and so it's like easy for everybody to get together uh yeah bitch that's called capitalism that is called work making it as conveniently as convenient as possible for the corporations and the companies and the people you work for to not lose people at times when they don't want them to be like not working so yeah they fold to your having your fucking one week off during this year it just sucks that you let capitalism and christianity rule rule your life and then you get to pretend that you are modern like i know it's it's the time of year where i call bullshit on everyone i know who is like 
hanging out of the fucking bar with me, I guess, because like, I don't know, you know, honestly though. Okay. So I did something that I'm thinking like, maybe let me, let me propose to you what I did and see if you think this maybe would work for you because, um, uh, it's kind of halfway outside of the realm of, of traditional. I think, I think this is a proper secularization of the Christmas tradition. I have some friends that run like an anarchist space. Um, it's called Woodbine. It's in, um, it's in like Ridgewood. Um, and they do like a lot of just mutual aid stuff. Like it's a food pantry. They just collect food and give it out to people for free and stuff, especially because of everything that's been going on the last couple of years. And like, um, you know, it's just like a community center. You can just hang out there and they read theory and stuff. And it doesn't it's really like a thing. It's kind of like a church without the religion or something. Um, yeah. and like stuff like this happens. So, if, uh, my friend Andy, uh, I think that he probably caught wind of the fact that I was just hanging out over here alone. I mean, tweeted a joke or two about it or whatever. And then he was like, Hey, do you want to go writer? Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, he was like, um, you know, antifada Andy. Yeah. He, uh, he was like, um, do you want to come to Woodbine for dinner on Christmas? And I did. And, um, it's so it's like this neighborhood hangout thing, and it, he's I he invited think, me for Thanksgiving, I think, and I was out of town. Yeah, they do it like every fucking holiday, and it's cool because yeah. honestly, I think that really like the the thing that's really underpinning what's going on in these dinners is uh, they're really into. He's a freaking like he's, he's really into this stuff, but he they're really into. Uh, I think the idea that we used to you can't be a freaking in new york city dude i mean he's not he's I not know. sorry go on i know he's a only <laughs> yeah. eats out of the dumpster but he just okay. like he, whenever he has the opportunity his eyes light up and he's like yeah. i get to do anarchism right now instead of participating in the thing so yeah. um and so eating dinner like at a restaurant is extremely liberal and bourgeois and modern you know it's um this thing that we do all the time and i've there's a lot of really great stuff that's written about this and i'm kind of like a restaurant abolitionist after reading it but also i love the i love going to a restaurant it's 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 great but it is like indulging in a modern um evil thing slightly so they're very into communal eating and i think the idea is that like your spirit really wants to sit around and eat at a big table with a bunch of your friends and people you don't know from your community and stuff like that and um i don't know jury's still out because i do like to indulge in my capitalist bullshit from time to time and drinking and gambling and going to dinner and all these things or whatever. But we did this on Christmas and there were like people from the neighborhood who, uh, you know, I think aren't there because they're balls deep in Kropotkin and fucking theory and, you know, marks and all this stuff. They just, the idea, the idea is if you do this, people will just naturally start to do what people naturally do, which is live kind of communally and support each other and they won't even know that they're doing anarchism or whatever yeah and like it was a pretty (laughs) good time but 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 like this is a bunch of white kids right Mm -hmm. in kind of a brown neighborhood Mm -hmm. we want to be welcoming so Mm -hmm. you know you like when people come in there are other ethnicities and races and stuff like that you fucking do whatever you want hang out have a good time. And we were all hanging out and dancing and stuff. And they put on Christmas music. (laughs) And so we were Uh, dancing to fucking Christmas music. Not like super, not like, you know, I know, I know. But see, so this is my problem, right? Is that it seems like our, we only have two options, right? Well, okay. 
what I what sounds good to me about what you're saying and the anarchism proposal, though, it, it would only work if they do it more regularly, not only on existing Christian slash capitalist holidays. No, they do it like every week. Yeah, like it should be like an all the all the time thing. And don't fucking play the Christmas music. But, but anyway, like, <laughs> uh, the problem that we have is that the options seem to be either uh, do a different thing on the same date. Or do the same thing on a different date. And neither one of those things really deconstructs the, the participation in the ritual that keeps the institutions going. So I don't know. And I, I am honestly not even asking about how to deconstruct them. Because, Jake, I have come to the point where I understand that religion, as bad as it is, and tradition, as bad as it is, it provides uh, comfort and relief for people in a really horrible fucking world. And comfort and relief should be found wherever you want to find it, even if it's in heroin and whatever the fuck. Sorry. But uh, so what I'm saying is like my interest is not in destroying other people's idols. My interest is in figuring out how to give my the, my loved ones this opium that they desire without it making me sick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is that fucked up? Where I'm just like, oh, I know that I don't want to be in the Matrix, so I'll unplug, but I just want to make sure that they're still fed really well <laughs> while they're plugged into the Matrix. No, I mean, I agree with you. I, I, I totally understand that. I think that's yeah. probably just where you're at. That's just something you're going to have to figure yeah. out. You know, this is also, like, reflected in revolutionary history because, like, there's always been this constant problem with revolutionaries where they go um you know we're gonna go to the people was a thing that they would say in like the smoky back rooms before the russian revolution this is a big experiment they did a few times like you know if you look at society and you understand it all that really has to happen is you get all the fucking like people that were recently freed from feudalism who now are just the peasants and serfs and farmers and working class and yada yada of society and explain to them the situation that they are in reality in, which is bad, right? But there's so many failed revolutions because when well, fucking some crazy person who'd grown up in a city and read theory their whole life and, you know, was probably like a, a city-dwelling liberal aristocrat would go out to the city and be like, I could explain everything. We got to overthrow the king. They would get fucking mobbed by the peasants because the peasants are all traditionalists still. And yeah. every revolutionary thinker is like, why do they love this God that is fake. Why do they love the King? The King is actively against them. You know, why, why is there this huge conundrum? And it would like happen over and over and over again. And people are always trying to come up with these ways of, you know, Oh, we can distribute enough literature to like radicalize people and stuff. But it's like this, yeah. it's this like inherent problem. And it's actually kind of, you know, you do kind of have to be kind of a product of liberal society to be something like an atheist and a socialist yeah. and all these things ironically so like on some level i when i'm like at this anarchist christmas and i see these little old you know what i don't even know what country she was from but she was a little old latin lady like dancing and she says feliz navidad and i say it back mm -hmm. to her i'm like i mean i'm not gonna be the guy who's like yeah i know ma like, well i don't believe in that ma'am that's what i'm gonna say i have matured i am not that level of asshole anymore <laughs> i mean because it was a sweet interaction and i was like you know you're, look at you your teeth are falling yeah. out you're gonna die soon you know <laughs> yeah merry christmas lady you know explain fucking atheism to you? No, but i fucking love living outside of it and one of the things that i was like okay so the loneliness was a little annoying for like a day you know now I'm back mm -hmm. to just chilling but um one thing I was thinking about this year 
and it sucks because I do have like a little bit of money now, so this wouldn't have been that annoying. But like, I was thinking about what it was, what it's like to be in a relationship, like a traditional monogamous one, where you uh, like the calendar just becomes this fucking time bomb, <laughs> where you're like, oh, I, I'm gonna get murdered if I don't buy something for this person, and you look at it and you're like. But this is such a trick. Like the mall tricked me into by the mall. Yeah, like fucking fuck you. Like I love that you dated yourself by being like the mall tricked me. I'm just like I don't even know what to personify it as because I'm just you know we say the word capitalism over and over over again, but it's fucking capitalism. It sucks, but it's not like the Instagram ad or I don't like. I'm just like it's like the mall. It's just anything. I don't. I want to like place this on something and attack it. You know what I mean? But the thing is, it's it's the superstructure of capitalism, right? So. Yeah, it sucks to be like, but to, I, I I know I've even had relationships where the other person's like a pretty radical, and it's like I know it, you know it, and I'll be like, you're still gonna get mad at me if I don't do it, right? And she's like, yeah, and I'm like, all right, fuck. Uh, it sucks, man. Well, at least you talk about it, but um, I don't know. It can be different. I don't know. I definitely. I guess I'm that person, but I won't be mad about it if it's not done. But I also tend to date the kind of people who also have a mentality like me. So they figure out that um, gestures such as gifts and acts of service and acts of love and whatever the fuck should be done regularly all the time and not in conjunction with any capitalist slash Christian calendar. And therefore, that, that still shows me love and I still... And they get to participate, you know, like there is still a way that a person can show love through all these ways that are our forms of communicating love in the modern ways, which includes buying stuff for each other, helping each other out financially if the other person needs something, um, being of service in a way of like, I don't know, completing something for them when they're busy, like when they're at work and they need their pet to go to the vet. I don't know, something like that, right? Active yeah. service. All those things can and actually, mm, let me be a goddamn radical and argue, should be done all the time outside of any relation to a calendar date, period. Even an anniversary or uh, like, what is all that shit? Like literally all of those things are kind of like the bare minimum for the people who don't care to show you that they care about you all year round. And so they have to have these like annual calendar set dates that where they must prove, get the fuck out of here. I neither want to be that person nor date that person. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm out, you know, I specifically thinking about this because, um, like I do stuff like that in relationships already and I think I'm pretty good about it. Uh, but like the, it used to be particularly accentuated and I always get resentful about the calendar year around the holidays because you, uh, cause I used to not have a lot of money. I've been thinking about this lately. Like I, I, just, I was paycheck to paycheck for so fucking long yeah. and now I have like a nest egg. I'm still poor, but there's just like not a negative account going. Yeah. And, uh, I think that if I, I keep thinking about old relationships and I'm like, man, this whole thing would have went differently if it wasn't like for that. And it was just like, this is how evil capitalism is. Even if you're, even if you love someone, it's just gonna, and your relationship is going pretty well. It just keeps fucking like throwing you into these situations where it heightens the fucking stakes of like yeah. this thing. And 
now I could, if I was born with this much money, even this much, even just like a little, I could see easily just being somebody who's just like, oh, I just buy, I buy her gifts every now and then, you know, like, yeah. oh, it's easy. It's part of our, like, yeah. people use the term love language or whatever. Yeah, yeah that's what I mean. Yeah, and I'm like, exactly. Right. Yeah. But like, but I, ugh, I don't know what I'm trying to fucking articulate here. It's annoying. Like, I, because I, I was, I, because I, I, was, I think I understand. Okay, go on. Because I was so poor yeah. for so long. I'm, I think I was seeing a thing that other people weren't seeing about it, which was making me extra radical about it, where I was yeah. like, this thing that even if it's easy to do, we should like actively kind of resist this thing because it's putting other people in this fucked up situation where it's all being expressed Absolutely. through money. Absolutely. Yeah. Like it should be, there shouldn't be any date on any calendar where there is this like financial expectation of, or, or this expectation that you must demonstrate your love through all of this, like, expenditure of money. The only time you should be spending money on another person is when you feel like it. Like, when you feel like I saw a thing that reminded me of you and I wanted to buy it. Or when I noticed that you are having trouble because you haven't gotten a gig in a couple of months. Do you need money for something? Or when you're like, I know that you've been working so many fucking hours that you haven't had time to do your laundry. So I did your laundry for you. <laughs> uh, or you've been working so many hours that I'm going to give you a massage. Those are all the different love languages, right? In which you can demonstrate to a person that you... A, recognize the situation and position and context of their life currently, and B, you want to do something to improve that and, and show your, you care about them. No, those, none of those things have anything to do with Christmas or anniversaries or birthdays or fucking Halloween, like any of it. <laughs> you can do and should do those things all year round, yeah, whenever I it's possible. The holidays function as a weird, like, third thing for for you and another person to always kind of center around, though. Like, because, like, I don't have a problem thinking of all these things and telling people I think them. But I think what happens is, um, like, the power of the draw of traditionalism and capitalism and everything as, like, a superstructure is that, like, you, have you ever been in, like, a relationship with somebody... And you're both like non-monogamous, non-monog, totally cool with it. And then after a while, one person starts to go like, okay, so we were going to stop doing this, right? And like, or like <laughs> both of you kind of never know a hundred percent if the other person was like totally being radical and if they were, so like with Christmas, like I, what I'm getting at is the space where you get insecure about other people's engagement in, in this draws you then to participate in it because it feels so naked to be radical alone and yeah. like i had this moment on christmas when i was actually kind of bummed out and i was like um man i bet my family is like bummed out that i didn't come down for christmas and i was like man i feel like such a bad like member of this family and like you know a bad son to my mom and all this stuff and like I was just like, oh my god! I was like really gloomy about it, and uh, and then I like texted my mom like Merry Christmas, and uh, she like didn't text me back, and I was like, Ouch. yeah, wow! And then yeah. like later on, she she like texted me back just like a picture, and she was like, we're all watching a movie, and I was like, these motherfuckers uh, aren't thinking about me at all; they don't uh, care. Thanks too, right? Yeah. So this was all in my head. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the draw for me to undercut my own 
like your own thing, my yes, own, your own like, dance and your own values. Yeah, my own like stepping away from the traditionalism. Yeah. Like that's your programming, though. Right, that's what I'm saying. It's how fucking powerful yeah, yeah. it is. So like that's why yeah. you know it's why so many people get sucked into it because it, it feels good. It is hard, good. Jake. It is hard. Traditionalism uh, is the most passive thing ever. It's just letting go. Yes, and I, I want to tell you like this is why like. uh when I when I talk to you about these things, I'm not coming from a place of like, oh my god, I'm so much better because I did these things. No, no, no. I'm coming from a place of like, I was the robot who did the worst thing possible. Okay, like for example, uh, when you were talking, I re- I suddenly had a flashback to the fact that I had a a long term boyfriend one time, right? <laughs> Where I went to Thanksgiving for the first time to meet his family, Jake, and no, and I think it was maybe the second Thanksgiving we had been together a few years and for the first time I had a feeling that this person was not as radical as me specifically because the family started talking about how much they loved us as a couple and me particularly and like oh my god they can't wait until we have kids okay we've been together years at this point Jake I have been sure that I don't want children since I was like 12 years old all right. Yeah. So for me to hear a family that has known me for several years gushing and hoping and talking about how they can't wait until we have children, I immediately was like, oh shit, he's never been honest with them. Like he's never fucking. Yeah. He is not radical enough to stand in front of his family and say, like, not only does she not want children and is never going to have her have children i love her and i agree with her and i'm i want to be with this person even though she doesn't want to want children he never had the fucking spine to do that (laughs) so at that very thanksgiving in the middle of fucking thanksgiving dinner i interrupted that hopeful conversation and i straight up just said to the whole family present oh my god that's so lovely i bet we would have a lovely child unfortunately i've already decided i'm never gonna have children Damn. I didn't I didn't put it on us. I didn't make it a him decision. Right. Honestly, I am brave and strong enough to stand on it as my decision. Yeah, sure. I will never have a child. And if this family wanted to judge me at that time as being the bad person because I said I don't want to have a child, that's fine. Keep loving your son and thinking he's wonderful and that he didn't agree with me from the first moment that he met me. Right. Whatever. That's fine. He can keep having whatever relationship that he wants to have with his family and not really showing them who he really is. But honestly, from that moment on, there was a clear understanding in my heart and in my head that he was not as radical as I was. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And even as I held that in my heart and in my head, I now am like, oh, I was a real asshole. (laughs) Because the (laughs) whole dinner just was like, oh, Record scratch. <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, you could have like a serious gravy. <laughs> conversation with him maybe after the fact. And... No, man, because honestly, it is not. I don't think that it is, Jake. I don't think that it is about having a conversation with him after the fact, because it's about my body yeah. and about people's assumptions about what I'm going to do. And at this point, I don't really care about like, it's not about you and your relationship with your family. You can fucking manage that however you want. Nobody that knows me should be assuming that I'm going to have a child at any point. Yeah. Otherwise, you don't know me and you shouldn't claim to be my family or love me or anything. 
Right, because they're be having this fucking dinner, expecting yeah. you. This is why trad shit sucks. Is they're just expecting you to, yeah, endure this fucking like performance or and masquerade. I'm, and I'm gonna be like, clear about the fact that like when I am coming to dinner that you are having, it is something that I'm doing. Like I'm not being a dick by being like, oh, I'm doing it for you. But I want to be clear that I, because I'm doing this one traditional thing, because I believe in your family and, and like growing networks and mem- making memories, doesn't mean that you have the right to assume or expect or believe that your expectations will in any way affect my decisions because they're not going to. And frankly, like, honestly, Jake, like even in that example, uh, this person is still my friend and like. In that example, the reason why it wasn't a go have a conversation with him thing is because it wasn't uh, a situation in which I need him to then make sure that his family doesn't continue speaking this way around me. It was a me thing where I was like, I'm going to make sure you all don't keep saying (laughs) shit to me about how when are we going to have kids? Because I am clear on the fact that I am not going to have kids. On our very literal first date, I made it clear to him that I do not want kids. Oh, interesting. So... The, yeah. re- the reason so it's my in my head, I was like, if I was in this situation, I would yeah. do a conversation afterwards because I'm a coward and I would have been like, um, we need to break up if you I want to yeah. give the person one last out and be like, if you don't go tell your family this isn't happening, you know, then we got to fucking mm, That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Because I wouldn't I wouldn't presume to tell somebody how to have a relationship with their family. But I would presume to say, if you love me for who I am, this is who I am, which is that I will be myself in front of your family also. Yeah. I don't know, man. There's something weird about, like, tact, where, like, you... Is it a good thing or a bad thing? Like, (laughs) I kind of think it's a bad thing. Because I've had, like, people... you You can't compartmentalize your life, right? And I've had, like, situations where, like, I'll be dating somebody and then they'll bring them to something like a dinner and they'll say something that I'm like we are not we should like we we're not doing that <laughs> not talk about that with my family with the like I don't know I mean like your sex yeah. life or something like I mean there, there are walls that are there for yeah. a reason you know and you're like and then you're like completely like holy shit this person just like broke down this fucking thing uh that's you know and then they're like what you're the same person you all you know everywhere you are so I don't but I guess I always feel like um, like when you watch like an episode of The Office and you start to cringe on, on out of embarrassment for another person, like that feeling in these situations mm-hmm. where somebody transgresses that hard over the thing, which is why I'm more tempted to go like, if I was in that situation, I think I would give that guy an out. I'd be like, you clearly have not thought this out to the point where it's reached a situation where there's this huge conflict. So... Because I don't want to see your fucking family cringe when I tell them I don't have kids. Uh, you know, or do you want to do it or <laughs> do we stop dating? Because like, because people, I mean, this is the inconsistency thing we always yeah. talk about where it's like ridiculous. This kind of reminds me of like kids I grew up with who were like, we would go sell drugs and shit and do all sorts of hoodlum stuff. And then they, uh, but if I said like, like they, but then, I think my friend Sal growing up, I remember I was like, do you want to go do this thing on like Sunday? And he was like, no, we go to church on Sunday. And like, and I was like, you believe in God? And I was like laughing. And he was like, he told me about his, (laughs) like his, he was like, he told, like he made it seem like, you know, it was high behind us. He's like, oh, it's fucking Salvadorian thing. Like, no, Mm -hmm. no, no, no. 
you do not, you know, like You're participating, Bo. He was. <laughs> I can't remember how he phrased it, but he he brought his like mom or his grandmother into it and was just like, no, 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 no. Like, doesn't matter what we do, we always have to because these people's hearts will be broken or whatever. And I was just like. So you, but you, we do fucked up shit, <laughs> you know, like how do you live this like split life where you, then you go home and lie to your fucking parent right. and say that you believe in God and all this stuff. But we, yeah, but we talked about how, uh, probably the main goal that I've ever had in my life is to not live this split life, right. Is to be the same person everywhere. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, uh, that means that all the people that I date, I believe that you should know who I am. And if you we're at the point where you would bring me to meet your family, then I expect that you have had these conversations with your family. And if you haven't, then that's fine. You don't have to. I will respond to the conversations that are being sent my way the way that I would respond. And what will happen then is maybe some of your family won't like me. Right. And this is the thing that nobody wants to be honest about, Jake, is that really what's at the core of it, whenever a partner says to you, Ugh, you have to talk to your family about this. You have to tell your mom about that. It's a matter of them not wanting to be disliked by your family. So they don't want to just stand up and say the thing. Okay. Because what happens is if I stand up and I say the thing and now your family doesn't like me. Now that puts you in a position where you do have to stand up and either be like, yes, family, you're right. She sucks. And get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> or you have to be like, no, fuck you, family. What I love her and I like it the way it is, right? Or C, you are a pussy ass piece of shit who sits there quietly and fucking never stands up on either side of it, right? Yeah. So that would bring it back to the other person to be like, are you okay dating someone who just sits there and is okay with everybody vilifying you for being the person you are, even though they love you supposedly for being Nope, that's when you leave. That's when you leave. Thank you, Jake. So I honestly don't think that it was like a shitty thing of me to do. It was me being honest. If you purport that you invite people to your holiday dinners in order to include them to, in your family and get to know them, then this is you getting to know me. I didn't say it in any mean way. I didn't fucking like tell them like, oh, breeding is bullshit. <laughs> you know, I was just like very politely like, oh, no, you know, honestly, I'm, I've already like thought about it and I'm never going to have kids. Silence all around the table, you know, and some of the usual like, oh, are you sure? I'm sure you'll change your mind. I'm like, no, I've felt the same way since I was like 12. I won't change my mind. Well, what happened with <laughs> yeah. that relationship? Uh, we were together for 10 years and huh? uh, yeah. And then we broke up and now he's my best friend, basically. Oh, and uh -huh. I am still friends with his family. I just sent his mother and his aunt Christmas presents uh, because I'm participating in Christmas for my <laughs> loved ones. Right. Uh, so I'm friends with his girlfriend. I think she listens to the podcast sometimes. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So it is extremely possible to have healthy relationships by being yourself, Jake. <laughs> yeah, I, know who, I know who it is. I don't know why I'm going, wow. Yeah, I know. Um. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I do want to tell you about something that I was watching because it will end on a yeah. um, Halloween Christmas situation. But I do have to pee, so pause it. Okay, cool. I'll be back in play. Fuck out my mouse. There it is. Hello, everyone. This is Jake. Luis is gone in the bathroom for a moment. Uh, I just want to let you know, I was eating a quesadilla earlier, and I thought that I muted my microphone, but I didn't. So sorry if it, you heard it. All right. Now back to our regularly scheduled podcast. All right. We're back.
Yes, we're back. Okay, so to jump right into our uh, Halloween and December aesthetic, which is, you know, what we do, Jake, I would like to close out this episode by talking to you about vampires, which will connect to the other stuff that we've been talking to. <laughs> but I've been watching uh, From Dusk Till Dawn, the series. Did you know this existed? No, but why do they always do this? <laughs> I never want to watch them because I'm like, it, it gives me anxiety because my... My mind wants to complete things, and so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna watch every. Now movie. you gotta know the end, right? <laughs> well, no, I'm just like you. I finished that movie, and now you made more of it. Fuck you! <laughs> like I don't want to. <laughs> it what sucks is I heard they're really good. I heard like Snowpiercer show is really good, but like fuck, man, like I don't. Oh, the Snowpiercer shows. Yeah, that one's good too, actually. Well, okay, so, oof, this might be controversial, but I gotta tell you, I'm kind of a bigger fan of TV than film. Yeah, no, it's kind of better. Yeah, and, like, I understand that film is more typically seen as, like, an artistry kind of work, but um, TV, at least in the, like, last five to ten years, has become a medium that offers the possibility, you know, what what is a poorly edited film can become a really good season. (laughs) I've been trying to figure out what the medium of the times is. And I I think it's prestige TV. Like, I know we all do fucking jokes about how it's Mm -hmm. like annoying and formulaic and stuff like that. But like film has episodic. It's episodic content because it's like a novel, but you don't have to fucking read it. And it's like, none of us have time to read, you know? uh, yeah, you remember like the 70s and fucking 60s people read serialized uh, like sci-fi essays. And yeah. it was like, like Dune. Dune came out as a serialized essay on, sci- I think, Scientific American or some fucking shit like that. And then eventually was released as a novel. But it was like all short stories that were released every month or whatever that connected. So, yeah, no, you're totally right. So I bring up Dust Till Dawn, the series, because I want to bring it up as a... Um, Example of why I love remakes and sequels and all of this shit. Okay. Famously, they're hated. I understand. I understand. Uh, I understand your completest argument. And I understand that a lot of times the sequel is not as good as the first thing. And that if you're married to the canon of what the first thing established, then you're, you're extremely focused on whether or not the next thing lives up to or is loyal to or whatever the fuck to the canon, right? But I think that's a very myopic view of art to just be like, here's the first version that I saw and then every other version should be loyal to that version. Because the reality is most artworks that you're looking at in whatever form or medium, they're not original. (laughs) They actually come from some other thing that is being referenced it's just that you happen to jump into the the whole storyline in that particular point. And now you have a nostalgic affinity for that version. All right. Totally. But in reality, the value of our narratives is that they keep circulating through our society and across time. Okay. So at any time you can pluck a narrative out of space and time, and it will be reflective of what the people of that place and time think and believe and value, et cetera, okay? So um, this idea of like the quote original is always the most valuable. A, it's flawed and B, it's short-sighted in terms of what the effect of art is because the effect of art is not a singular thing gets created and it, uh, and it like is forever the greatest. 
the greatest effect of art is a thing gets created and then it ripples out through culture and it makes a bunch of different versions of itself that in com- continue to increase and grow, right? And change, I should say. And so from Dust Till Done, I just want to bring it up to you. I kind of want to recommend it, but I also understand if you don't want to spend three seasons of your life watching this, okay? Because, check it out, Jake. Uh, so it is uh, written, produced and all that shit by uh, Robert Rodriguez, right? And it's based on the fucking uh, screenplay that was written by Robert Rodriguez and, and Quentin Tarantino for the original movie from Dust from Dust Till Dawn. Hell yeah. Love that movie. Yeah. And so Selma involved, Hayek, man. Yes. God the damn. Hot, probably the hottest thing you've ever seen on film, right? Maybe the hottest a woman has ever looked in a movie. Yeah. Absolutely. Maybe ever. I know. And it might be that we're gods, but absolutely agree. I think, <laughs> think it's like fucking, and we're Latin gods too. So we're like, oh, <laughs> it must be that one. But maybe other people of other cultures and persuasions right. think differently. Also, I'm a uh, drunk be- and there's, you know, booze with it. <laughs> I know. It's got everything like, you want. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, check this out. So what kind of sucks about the series is that the whole first season is sort of remaking the movie. Right. Sure. Which you immediately your reaction is like, why would you do that? Yeah. The movie was fucking awesome and perfect. And frankly, the remake in the first season is not as good as Quentin Tarantino and George Clooney <laughs> and Salma Hayek. You know what I mean? Like, it's not as good. But I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, this is terrible. Like, why would you redo a thing that was already really great and you're not giving me anything new? Right. And for the first like seven episodes, this is what's happening. It's you're just retelling the same story with like unknown actors that I don't really like. Like, I don't know why you're doing this all over again. Right. Normally you would like start where the movie ended or do a prequel or give me something that was extra. Right. Yeah. But the reason, Jake, that they spent seven or eight episodes redoing the entire movie is because for the last three episodes of season one, they completely remake the origin story of the vampires in From Dust Till Dawn. Okay. Okay. And this is what I want to bring up as a thing that like, like an example of how the retelling of a story that already existed can expand to contribute a new uh, point of view and a new form of representation, right? So vampires, if you know the entire narrative of them and you know, like, Dracula and fucking Anne Rice shit, right? And, like, uh, Vampire Diaries, blah, blah, blah. You know, the, like, general shit of, like, what kills vampires and what vampires can do. And sometimes they can turn into bats and blah, 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 right? That's all, like, part of the narrative that continues to be added to and uh, reinforced by more stories about vampires, right? This series does this thing where they redefine the vampire that is hunting everyone in this world. Okay. Mm -hmm. They are called culebras. And what they are is these vampires that, uh, first of all, Jake, aesthetically, they're completely different from regular white vampires. So they're basically Latino vampires. (laughs) And they have, instead of having like, permanent vampire fangs that are always out they look like regular people and then they have a snake venom fangs that can retract and like come out cool you get me like a snake yeah 
And when you see their true face, they have like scales and blah, blah, blah. They're not like a bat. So their true form is not a bat. Their true form is a snake. Cool. Yeah. And then when we get into like episode eight, we learn the backstory of how these vampires, A, originated and like, you know, everything that they are. So Santanico, you remember Santanico is Salma Hayek, right? Okay. And in the movie From Dust Till Dawn, Santanico is a like a siren that brings people to this fucking like truck stop right out of the border from Mexico and America. Right. Right. Uh, and the point is to draw all these fucking people there so that they can get seduced and then like all their blood gets sucked out and all the blood gets given to the vampire. So it's like a little extraction mill kind of thing. Right. Totally. And so in, in the movie From Dust Till Dawn, Santanico is a bad guy. She is just a siren who is here to bring all the people to get more blood for all the vampires to suck on. But in the series, Santanico is a, like in a flashback, we learn that she has been trapped in this temple. So what we see as a truck stop in a border town underground is an old temple. Okay, and she was once upon a time a girl, a native girl who was identified by the elders in her fucking community as being connected to the gods that they worship. So they put her in the temple and they're bringing her jewels and they're bringing her flowers and fucking blah, blah, blah. And they bring her a boy and then they start sacrificing people and pouring the blood over over her. And this is a ceremony that is like the bloodletting in order to worship the gods, right? And she's the symbol. And she thinks this is horrible, that they're like sacrificing people for the gods in her name. So she tries to run away. And when the lords of the community discover that she tries to run away, they end up cursing her with this permanent hunger for blood, which is what makes her the first culebra, okay? And then she is permanently punished as tied to the temple. So she's tied to this temple, and this is all new lore. Yeah. So you get me? So this is like a whole new invention. So to me, this is like um, Robert Rodriguez's revision of what he would have actually made it if it was entirely under his control. Yeah. Because it becomes a version of vampires that is entirely centered in Central America, and in battles having to do with border patrol and conquistadors and fucking shit like that, it's fucking awesome. Okay. And so, uh, I, you know, it's important for me to get to this part. <laughs> so fucking, um, she is trapped now in the temple. So like fi- for 500 years, she can't leave the temple and she is a siren that functions to bring people to get trapped there for the blood to be given to the gods. Right. One day, a conquistador shows up, played by Wilter Valderrama, who you may know from that 70s show. <laughs> okay. And he shows up and he's part of like, I don't know, whatever, Cortez or one of their dudes fucking things. He's not the main guy, but he's like the most loyal fucking soldier, right? Yeah. And he shows up with the conquistadors and they meet the natives and we see this whole thing. But he's the one that explores the fucking caves and finds the temple and he becomes seduced by the siren. So he begs her to turn him into one of her. So he becomes a culebra also. So he turns against all the conquistadores and kills them, Jake. And so now for the next 500 years, he serves her as, his, as her fucking servant and whatever the fuck. 
So now the series becomes about the fact that the reason. So now let's go back to the movie. We have Seth and Richie, right? Played uh, by uh, George Clooney and um, Quentin Tarantino yeah. in the movie, right? And the reason Seth and Richie matter in the series is because they need a willing participant to go through this trial in a labyrinth within the temple in order to free her so that she's no longer trapped from the temple. So she seduces Richie. And in the movie, you remember, she does seduce Richie and she turns him. He becomes a vampire. So in the series, he becomes a culebra, right? It's what we call them. Uh And he goes into the whole like deal of like he's going to save her. We also have this character called the Rinche. Okay, check this out. Who is like a ranger, basically, like a border patrol ranger. But he discovers that his lineage is like kind of like a Van Helsing situation, right? But instead of being like a vampire fighter who just has to kill vampires, Jake, his job is to keep the peace between the two worlds. So he can't just kill culebras. He can only kill culebras or humans who are violating the rules of the peace between these two worlds. So he is effectively a border patrol agent. Oh, that's (laughs) crazy. Yeah, dude. So it is extremely incisive about like modern political stuff while reflecting um, Latin American culture and history. And it's full of Latin characters and actors while uh, giving us an entirely new chapter to the narrative of what vampires, how vampires could be interpreted and like told stories about you know what i mean yeah uh it's fucking fantastic so it might not be like perfectly executed but i think it's a great example of why remakes and redos (laughs) and uh sequels and prequels and shit always matter and you should always watch them because the whole point is expanding the effect and the reach of the narrative yeah that shit sounds (laughs) awesome i mean fuck i just it's so daunting like because TV is so long, like it's easy to watch a movie and then it's season of a thing. So, so I'm like, now, yeah. like, fuck, I want to watch that, but also got all these other things I got to do. I don't know. You but- can put it in the background. It's not heavy. One other thing that I wanted you to know about is also that the culebras themselves, right? The vampires. So they're predominantly natives, right? Because they're the ones that worship the original diosa. Yeah. But the colonizers are Spaniards, so they're whites. So there's some colonizers who are culebras. And then some Americans start to be turned. So now we have like gringo culebras, right? <laughs> cool. So there's just this like uh, attention to like the degrees of Latinoness kind of allegory <laughs> that is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's really worth it, especially for Latinos who are into goth shit. <laughs> no, that sounds fucking tight. I mean, yeah, I'll probably check it out. But what I was going to say about like remakes is um, I agree with you and I, uh, I'm bored of Twitter right now. I'm kind of off it. Yeah. Like, I, every time I look Me at too. it, it's just the same conversation like over and over again. Right. Like yeah. one of the things that, happened a lot recently was um a lot of people arguing over like uh a few different remakes honestly we don't have the time but like if you saw the new matrix, the movie, matrix. it was like a fucking we, meta we commentary should do, we should do a patreon about it yeah. I, i'm gonna do a pda about it you can come on if you oh, want okay. we can do that yeah um okay i mean we can also do that fuck i don't know but 
the Matrix was like a commentary on this, and it's kind of funny because it kind of split everyone. And like, I'm not sure how I feel about it because um, I feel like what happened with that is that they didn't want to make more, and then the studio made them, so they made a bad movie, and that's a meta joke about the <laughs> thing. But it is not an expansion, which is the thing that happens, honestly. Yeah, yeah, and it's like kind of funny, yeah. but was not an enjoyable movie. I mean, it was like for that reason bad. But um, fucking Cowboy Bebop, right? So like, I know I bring this up every episode. It's one of my favorite things. It's kind of stuck in my mind. But I was thinking about this a lot during that because Cowboy Bebop and also Final Fantasy VII, this video game, both got remade in the last couple of years. And they have these diehard fans. And um, something that like you pointed out about this remake, about Dust Till Dawn, I think uh, is also true of Bebop, which is so like sometimes a thing gets taken away from its original creator and then I have a little bit more of an understanding of being mad on behalf of that creator because it's like a thing's getting bastardized. Like Alan Moore, who wrote The Watchmen, famously lost all the intellectual property rights to like everything he's made into a graphic novel and so there's been like every single thing they make out of it is even when they're good sometimes they're still like they don't get his fucking politics and stuff and it feels wrong and so like i kind of like i get a little cringy about those things but um they made this live action version of this anime that's like beloved by people and the anime is really you know, it's 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 a genre mashup thing. So it's really funny sometimes. It's also really dark sometimes. And it has like this whole lore backstory thing, and like it's fucking sci-fi and it's jazz and it's cowboy thing. It's fucking great. It's all this different stuff. Um, they made a live action version of it, and uh, it's it, I kind of liked it. Um, and I feel like a lot of people that didn't like it were doing this thing where you feel like protective of the original, mm-hmm. and the live action version, um, it, the thing that was wrong with it is that they made it too much of a comedy and they did this like thing, uh, that they did also in the Matrix one where they, this thing you hear about called Joss Whedon speak, where like every character <laughs> does like yeah. comic book quips and it fucking yeah. sucks. It's like, you know, if that's the gimmick you're going for in one thing, fine. But the fact that it's in everything is really yeah. annoying. And honestly, it was, it was a, too much even for me in this show. Some of it was funny though. And I mean, also, it was like kind of cool. It had like a cast of like, you know, diverse characters that weren't diverse, yeah. like on, t- it wasn't doing it too hard. It was like really well, like intentioned and stuff. There's a character in the show that's bl- like, he's not really, he's kind of ethnically ambiguous, but he's kind of got a black energy and no one has ever known what his deal was. And then they cast a live actor. He's fucking uh, Mustafa. What's his face? I can't remember his last name, but he is uh, a great actor and he played him really fucking well. And, um, they also fleshed out a lot of the lore of this backstory that's sort of referenced throughout the main anime or the original anime. But, like, I'm a big fan of it. I never really pieced it all together. But, like, it was acted kind of weird and, like, it was kind of goofy and all this stuff. And, um, you know, people, like, got really mad about it and said, you know, it was a fucking horrible disgrace to the original. Here's what I'm getting at. The original creator of the fucking thing that everyone loves worked on the new one. And the like mm-hmm. a lot of the people that made the original one great worked on the new one too. Like um Yoko Kano, who's this music uh did the music for the original one, who made this like, incredible fucking genre bending like uh jazz soundtrack. 
and like was she was so good that like apparently the story behind some of the original episodes of the original show was that like she wrote the music first and then they fucking were inspired by to make a story based on this thing she wrote called like uh you know whatever so um point being though you can see if the actual original creator was involved in this second thing that might yeah. not be a perfect continuation of the thing that it is like truly building upon whatever the fuck they were doing in the first one. Even if it goes off in a weird direction, the thing you always have to remind people is it doesn't undo the first one. Like it you just still go back and see that. Yeah, exactly. It, I mean, it's like, you know, what if like in music, like somebody was like, um, you know, this happens sometimes where like, um, okay, Iron Maiden did a, like a fucking metal cover of the rhyme of the ancient Mariner, which is this like po epic poem by Coleridge. That's like, it's where the term like albatross around my neck comes from. Mm -hmm. It's fucking awesome. I read it in college. It makes perfect sense that Iron Maiden would cover it yeah. and make it into a 20 minute long, crazy thing. A diehard fan of poetry might be like watching this and be like, How dare you? You know? but, like <laughs> it doesn't like this is fucking cool. They're just two separate things that exist yeah. that do what art does, which is, you yeah. know, associate things and stuff like that. And like, yeah, I think um, what it's weird because you, you know, where's the intuition come from? Where, where does the fucking impulse come from that people have? to want to not see this because it's they're not seeing reality i think but like it has something to do i mean the first thing that happens is people become immediately um like uh distrustful of it i think because at least on twitter and then the fucking people i follow everyone brings it back to the market everyone's like ah you're just doing this to make money and you know, Netflix, to like, yeah, to go back to the same well or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And Netflix does just make yeah. shit to make money. So that is part of the reason that this yeah, thing yeah, came sure, about. Sure. So does Disney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it does suck. I mean, like yeah. they won't let the Simpsons die because it makes mm -hmm. so much fucking money. And you go, yeah, that sucks. Yeah. It makes it make bad art or whatever. But if you have but something. It, but, but does that mean they're like because you as a 40 year old don't like the current Simpsons that a fucking 10 year old is not getting something out of the current Simpsons? Someone probably is watching the Simpsons, yeah. right? Like that's that's yeah. the thing. Yeah, it I yeah, I think that. It, well, you know, I think that you're pointing to something good and I think it comes down to nostalgia, which is not far off from traditionalism, which is where we started this episode. Yeah. Because um, it's really this insistence on like the like uh, seeking familiarity and wanting something that you find comfort in to never change and to like believe that you can always come back to it and it'll always be the same. But it's like when a band does a second album and people don't like it because they tried something new or like when Jackson Pollock stopped doing splashes and started doing something else, all everybody was like, what the fuck? What happened to the splashes? So you're not allowed to grow <laughs> or change as an artist or to like make a new thing. Yeah, that's what people do. Maybe uh, they, as you said, had restrictions or things that caught, like made it impossible for them to actually execute their full vision the first time it was made. And now they have something new to say about this. Um, and well, even if they don't, uh, it's weird though because it could read... be it could be mixed. Like the the Cowboy Bebop show is weird because. Yeah. Parts of it, the old one are way better. Like parts of it, the the new one sucks. Like they did not, they missed like certain thematic things. But also, it was a platform and a canvas for this guy to flesh out 
this uh, original part of the story that has to do with yeah. like the, the whole thing is set around this guy who's just constantly like talking about his past life and he's just like I'm dead I'm living the second life I've been channeling him very hard with the divorced yeah. guy energy stuff everyone <laughs> in Cowboy Bebop is living the second act of their life it's fucking great yeah. and he's like and you're like what happened he he's, has this jilted love thing with this woman Julia and this guy Spike and you're like what the fuck because he only ever gets to talk about it in these moments of flashback that cut to like saxophone solos and like a rose dropping in the water <laughs> and stuff like that and in the new thing you did like you the guy who made the show got to show you where the rose falling in the water comes from and why it got there and explain the whole story about like what happened between these three yeah. people in this love triangle but that's something it adds to the canon of here's what this means confusing about it Parts of okay. it were also really bad. So mm. what do you do with that? Well, I think that you just have to appreciate the parts of it that were really good. And then maybe this is your brain wanting to be an artist and going, I want to take the parts of this that are good and then continue with them there or something. Well, I would just say to you, like, you don't get to be the editor of every story. Right. And so sometimes like new chapters come out to a story and those now have to be assimilated into the the story that forms this story you don't just get to look at one chapter and pretend that that's the only defining it's like honestly it's like having the mentality of like i met you when you were 26 and this is the person i loved and i wanted to marry and then at like 40 being like why aren't you the person that i met at 26 <laughs> i was like because that's not how things work people change um have you ever read rosencrantz and gilders gildenstein are dead <laughs> I don't know how to say that name. No? No. Uh, well, just as an example, to throw it out there. So Tom Stoppard, he's a playwright. Uh, I think he's famous. He did what? whatever. It doesn't matter. Point is, he wrote this play called uh, uh, Rosencrantz and Gildenstein or Gildenstein or Dead, whatever. Um, and what the play is about is two characters from Hamlet, Jake. So basically, in Hamlet, there's these two dudes who are just basically like background characters who come from Denmark to send a message to the king, whatever the fuck, right? Yeah. And they barely have lines or, like, anything to say in Hamlet, but Tom Stoppard wrote an entire play that is about these two guys and the tr their whole, like, trip to go see Hamlet and his father and the king there Yeah. and deliver the message they had to deliver. And then in the meantime, they're, like, having a discussion that reveals how these basically working class dudes who are like charged with like deliver a message from one king to another, how they see the political situation and what's going on with this family. And the play then provides for you a different point of view of the same exact story that is being told in Hamlet. But the point of view is not from a dramatic young man in the family. It's from a worker who has to service this family yeah. and what's happening. And so some people might be like, okay, well, that's like derivative. You didn't think of your own fucking thing and whatever. And it's like, no, that is take like that is adding to the canon of what the whole universe of Hamlet was. Right. Right. That is creativity at its best, I think, because I think uh, so much of our modern definition of creativity is centered around originality when in reality, ideas don't come out of nothing. There is no such thing as original poof. It just popped out. <laughs> Most things are actually you 
being inspired by something and then seeing beyond what the previous artist was able to see. And so therefore you take it the next step in the same way that science is not, it, it is not possible for any person born today to learn everything in science and then make the next fucking leap in whatever scientific achievement we need. They literally have to stand on the shoulders of everybody who did all the work before them. Okay. So they have to like absorb it. Right. right? But and what then about they take it the next step? But I think what the thing that everyone has anxiety about, which I think happens sometimes and you yeah. should worry about this is that uh, sometimes it's instead of being like built upon uh, the thing is reduced and like made worse mm. because like, and that's Which a, happens for sure. Well, that's the thing with dumbing everything down to sell yeah. it in the market. I mean, that's what nerds are always fucking mad about is yeah. like, you know, I liked a thing that was a fucking secret gem that I found. And then you like, like, I mean, like you ever seen the movie old boy. Oh, I did just this week. Like, oh my the, God. No the original or the did remake. It. No, I saw the remake. Ah, no, ah, no, I, know, I, know. Said, I no. got the same reaction from my lover. God <laughs> damn like, it! No. <laughs> no, I've never seen the uh, remake, but the original yeah. is like a work of art. Like it fucking <sighs> rules, and it like when they made that remake, why? Like they made it, they made everyone white, and they made it for Americans, and they made it into a stupid yeah, American yeah, yeah. action movie. I never saw it, so I could be wrong, but it just seems okay. like they probably made it. Like they probably only took parts of it that were going in a good direction and like curtailed no, them back you're right you're right when there's this like co-opting like or cross-cultural translation let's call it that very often there is no like additives work going on where you're adding to the narrative it's a uh, subtractive action where you're taking this narrative and adapting it for this other culture so I would suggest that in this case it is like um what we would call cultural appropriation right because it is taking a thing that already exists and like just adapting it for this other culture and pretending that you're the original creator of it. But what we can generously recognize is additive about something like that is the expansion of the audience, right? Like it is a way in which this narrative is now being brought to the rest of the audience. It would be great if it could be brought to the rest of the audience. It's like, hey, here's a thing that is... Um, a version of the story that comes from this other culture. That's why I think like Korean um, film is very interesting and important in the last few years, because instead of us seeing great Asian film and being like, we need to remake it with white people, we are embracing Asian film made by Asians fill filled with Asian actors. That's a great step forward. But you know, I don't know. It's a, the slightest amount of giving them something when they remake it because they they are also reaching to like our lowest common denominator people in our culture, right? Who would never go watch that Korean film, who would never watch something with um, subtitles. So, you know, maybe we do need that garbage version, dumbed down version, just to get them on board and to get some nostalgia built in their minds around this story. Yeah. It's bridge building. I'm not saying it's perfect <laughs> art making. <laughs> In the way that I don't think um this remake of uh From Dust Till Dawn or this like series is like greater art than the film. I'm not saying that. But it is bridge building in the way that it is a, a television series uh produced by big names which featured uh 
a majority Latino actors, dude. Most of the like Lord, like big time vampire, like well in in a white vampire. <laughs> so it's great is since I watched the show is now I have a white vampire category and a non-white vampire <laughs> category. <laughs> and the non-white vampire category is just Culebras and Blade. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. The rest of them are white vampires. Right. And in the wham- the way in the um white vampire lore that there's like um already an understanding of like what the true culture and like knowledge is about vampires, even though they're a fucking made up thing. <laughs> I like that there is this other version of um, we're going to take what's interesting and good about these stories. And dude, and if we're going to talk about at the top of this episode, taking the what's good out of Christmas and like incorporating it into your life, that's what a remake is for any of these stories, whether it goes from white to non-white or from non-white to white. We didn't talk about that, though. We rejected Christmas outright. We did. We rejected it. No, I know. <laughs> but most people are just taking the best that they can out of most things. Yeah, so but I thought that was bad. I don't understand why, but no, but I don't understand why they wouldn't then um, enjoy. I know you and I think it's bad, but I don't understand why they would then reject sequels and remakes and shit like that, because they're literally just following the path of traditionalism. Yeah, maybe it's yeah. because if you if you're like the kind of person who's like, oh, my God, we're all vegan now. We're going to make tofurkey, but we still believe in uh, Christmas, but we don't we're not going to pray to Jesus because colonialism, but we still believe in fucking Christmas. You're the same kind of person who would like compromise in this way of like. But they, but yeah. that person won't compromise when they make like Sonic the Hedgehog into a movie. So That's maybe, what I'm saying. Yeah. maybe this tells you who their real god is. <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm done. Let's get out of here and do this Patreon episode. All right. All right. Uh, plugs anybody? Oh, I got a no. show. January 18th. January? Um, it's at the gutter in. You just mouthed a word towards me. I can't tell what you're saying. Uh, oh, I just said I love it. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I thought you were trying to like whisper. I was like, we're on a podcast. Um, yeah. January 18th at the gutter in Brooklyn. I'm having a show. I think I'm going to start a regular show. I think it's going to be called Gutter Mouth, but I might not name it that because I started advertising it and everyone thought the band Gutter Mouth, just as punk band, was oh. coming to <laughs> town and they're not. It's just yeah. me and my friends having a show. Um, and the first Changes one is just to Gutter Mouth comedy, maybe. Ah, that's what it is. It's just still that flyer just looks like uh, gutter mouth. So I don't I don't know. I don't know. Uh regardless, hey, follow me. I'm gonna think I'm gonna do like a regular show at the gutter in fucking Greenpoint Williamsburg. I love that. I'll be there. Um it's a really cool bar. It's also gonna be my birthday. Come hang out. We'll bowl, we'll drink, we'll do comedy. Um yeah, I'm really excited about it and I'll write new material and stuff and it'll be cool. Um and my other podcast is Pod Damn America, and I'm at Feral Jokes. Okay, that's it. I've got nothing, so send us an email at whyyoumadpod at gmail.com if you want to ask us questions, disagree with us, or anything like that. I don't, I have nothing to plug. Maybe next year, but I doubt it. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye.